Hello, and welcome to Someday We'll All Be Dead, a podcast where we talk about all the things, and I mean all the things, with a social work perspective. I'm your host, Hallie Harris, and I'm a hospice social worker. Again, still working out the audio kinks. I do have a few times where you can hear the computer fan kick in, so I apologize, but hopefully this episode's a little easier to hear. Today, it is my distinct honor to have a discussion with Haley, who is a transgender teen, and her amazing father, Talon, who, unbeknownst to me, has the strength of an ox. I don't, I don't even know how he does what he does, but he's an amazing human being, and I'm just so thankful to have both of them in my life. So let's sit together and learn a little bit about what it's like to be transgender and a teen today. And I don't mean for Haley to represent all transgender experiences. I, as most people I talk to on this podcast, they represent themselves and their own perspective. So this is her perspective and I'm so grateful to have it. Let's listen. So I have been wanting to do this episode for quite a while, actually. Um, And I'm so, 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 so thankful to have some people to actually talk about it that know what they're talking about instead of just me. Because I'd be silly if I'm talking about it and I haven't lived the experience. That's the whole point of the podcast is get people's perspective and, um, you know, what their personal experience has been. So I want to start with some definitions and then we'll do introductions and get into the meat of things. So this episode is titled The Day I Bought My Son a Dress, which I think is amazing. And we'll talk a little bit more about where that title comes from later. Uh, But to start with, I want to just talk about, and I got these definitions from a couple of different places, but mainly from transstudent.org, which was a pretty great website. I don't know if you're familiar, but... No. um, It had a lot of different terms and definitions, so it was very helpful for me. Um, So a cisgender person, which I didn't know at first, I've heard that term, but I didn't know um, for a while... That is someone whose gender identity matches the sex uh, of what they were assigned at birth. So, for example, a person born with a vagina who identifies as a female is a cisgender. Um, This does not, does not, let me clarify, does not have anything to do with your sexual preferences. None of this episode has anything to do with anyone's sexual preferences. Get that through your head right now. A transgender person is someone whose personal identity and gender does not match with their birth sex. So, for example, someone born with a vagina identifies as a man. Uh, again, no sexual preference here. So, let's just imagine for a moment, listeners out there, imagine your own identity. So, I happen to be a cisgender female, meaning that I was born with a vagina and I identify as a female. Pretty simple. Now imagine... You're an avatar of the other gender. You're in an avatar. So if you're like me, you feel in every way like a woman, but physically you're a male. How would you feel? And the opposite. If you're a male and you're in a female body, how would you feel? This is actually... A lot of people would be spending a lot of time in the bedroom. (laughs) That's probably true. I think this is really the first way I conceptualized gay and lesbian people is because it made sense to me, right? I have no control about how I feel about my sexual preference or my gender. Mm-hmm. It's just how it is. It's not a choice. Yeah. Not a choice. Reiterating, not a choice. So why would it be a choice for anyone else? 
That's ridiculous. So it made sense to me, and it's always made sense to me about um, sexual preference as well as gender identity. I totally can see how frustrating and all the other feelings that we'll get into here in a little bit, that would be to feel like you're one way when your outer and physical <laughs> appearance, this dog is ridiculous, uh, is not, you know, what you feel like you are. So that makes sense to me. Um, did you guys, by the way, see the Danish girl? Yes. Danish? Uh-oh, you have a face. Well, I saw it shortly after she announced. Okay. And so I was viewing it from a totally different perspective. Okay. And towards the end there, that just pretty much destroyed me. Uh, okay, well, okay, first of all, the Danish girl, and I want to make sure this is also reiterated, we're, this episode we are not talking about sex assignment, uh, sex reassignment surgery, nothing to do with surgery. We're just talking about feeling gender identity, that kind of thing. But in The Danish Girl, it starts out with her exploring, you know, being in a man's body and feeling like a woman. But then she does pursue uh, a sex change operation later on. I don't even know if they still call it that. But this was also yeah. set pretty far back in time. It wasn't like recent times. But I, I like the beginning of the movie because it felt like it gave a good explanation and understanding of how someone would start to peek into that world without, you know any kind of social uh, or cultural acceptance of it. Well, and in the movie, too, I mean, you know, it, you don't walk into it knowing right away where you're going. Right. And um, Well, I you, did because I knew what it was about, but that's yeah, cheating. <laughs> exactly. But in the way it starts out, you know, you don't, it's not so clear initially that this character has been through this before of where right. they had explored their feminine side, so to speak, and had pushed it away and was trying to live completely as the gender they were assigned. Mm -hmm. And it reopens and fiercely for them. And so it's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's very enlightening to see. I think they did a great job of kind of exploring kind of that journey and the discovery. Not, not so much the pain that a lot of trans people experience. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that speaking is our supportive Papa Bear Talon. And my uh, most exciting guest here is Haley. Sup? <laughs> she is 17 years old and has been brave enough to tell her truth um, here with me today. So, I'm extremely excited about this conversation. Um, so, Haley, perhaps you could just start by telling me if. I have all these definitions right. Am I getting things okay here? Am I yep. going in the right direction? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, if, if ever I'm not, let me know. Because, you know, it's it's not something that's in the court's cultural norm. And I want to make sure that everybody out there listening, too, understands as things change, we can learn and adapt and figure it out. It's not that hard. <laughs> so, uh, tell me... Um, maybe you can share your experience and you can start anywhere you want. I have a couple of just kind of ideas, but like well, maybe how old were you when you kind of were feeling different? Well, I remember feeling different at like six, but I'd never really went anywhere. Then there's that uh, one time, which was shortly before, um, was it in Budapest? Where I said that I was feeling like a girl and you thought it was just anxiety? My no, anxiety. that was Mexico. Oh, Mexico. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think what's fascinating about your story is that you have traveled all over the world. So part of your experience um, that I want to hear about, too, is how this has been for you in different parts of the world, how they have accepted or reacted, and then how it is coming back to the United States. So, sorry, continue. Um, well, yeah, I uh, remember that, and uh, one day my dad wanted to said, well, maybe let's try out being like, was it like non-binary or something? <laughs> well, yeah, you you were starting to, you know, wear kind of clothes that you got in the female department and started wearing nail polish. And so we were kind of just talking about what was, you know, were you just messing around or was this more of kind of exploring gender identity or there's another term gender queer, which means that you are non-binary per se, you don't identify with a specific gender, you don't go with uh, what society says a girl should look like or what a boy should look like, and you just... Dress. Maybe similar to Tilda Swinton? Yeah, yeah. So for, for people to imagine what that looks like. So that's what, you know, we had kind of started out just trying to figure out, from my perspective, in order to support her, of where some of this experimentation was going or what was behind it mm -hmm. so that I could support her better and um, and it kind of felt initially she felt like kind of uh, being gender neutral or gender queer was kind of the direction that she was heading okay okay then uh it didn't last long <laughs> <laughs> then one day I commented on a Facebook post where they said where someone said him and I said her and that kind of freaked you out well it didn't freak you out but you know what I mean well, you jumped ahead quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> in the story timeline? You yeah, mean? there's a huge other part in between here, so... That's the main part that I remember. Yeah. <laughs> what had happened was, in, in Mexico, there was a couple times that she had talked about feeling that she was a different gender, or gender identity. And um, when we were preparing to move back to Europe, we went clothes shopping, because, you know, Mexico's cheaper than Europe for clothes, usually. And, and what age was this? Uh, she was 14. Okay. And so uh, we had been shopping, and she let me know that, you know, by the way, I'm going to check out clothes in the, the women's department to see if they're more comfortable. Mm -hmm. and I said, okay. And she tried on a couple things and picked them, but they were very androgynous. Sure. And so I was just like, all right, we'll see where this is going. Uh, and then we returned to Europe, and not much had been said or anything. And then uh, we were in the store, and she came by and said that uh, they had a sale on purple nail polish. And so inside my head, I'm like, this is interesting, okay. <laughs> and I just said, well, purple's a very lovely color. And so she said, yeah, and then left and came back and asked if she could buy it. And I said, sure. And so she did that. And uh, then one day she said, I wonder what it's like to wear a dress. And I said, well, there's really only one way to find out. And she kind of left it alone. And every so often we'd be walking by a store that, you know, had the little mannequins out. And I'm like, oh, that's a pretty dress or whatever. Trying to let her know I'm supportive of this is what you want to try, uh -huh. you know. <laughs> and uh, she was not interested for a little bit, probably a week or two. And then uh, one day decided she did want to try on the dress. And uh, so we went ahead and, and did that. And she um, really liked it and wanted me to put a picture up on Facebook of her and her new dress. 
and I did, and uh, just kind of held my breath to see how people were going to respond, and <laughs> and everyone was very supportive, and so people had accessory suggestions, makeup tips, and um, it was in that topic, you know, we had been she had been posting on Facebook, kind of a- answering people and stuff, and then I went to bed, and then when I woke up, I was in bed and was just looking through Facebook notifications. There was one from her that said, "She, by the way," and so I'm like. <laughs> She, what does this, what does this mean? Is what, what are we talking about here? You know, there's really no one asked. It was just topic about eye makeup, and then all of a sudden she says she, by the way, and I'm like, so she's a teenager, so naturally she sleeps till like almost noon. So I'm just dying the whole morning. What's going on? Where is this going? They're there. And so when she woke up, I was like, oh, by the way, you said this. I'm not sure what that means. Mm-hmm. And that's when she told me that she was trans. I mean, can I just take a moment to say how grateful I am? It's actually making me tear up a little bit. <laughs> Thinking about how grateful I am of how supportive you are of your child. Yeah. And how much of a better world it would be if more parents were like you. Yeah. I see a moment. <laughs> <laughs> and that really is the um, why the title of the episode is that. Because that's really a lot of the story of your blog post. Yeah with that title, which just, I think is just so open and wonderful about your experience as a father, just going through this experience of Haley and how she's, you know, finding herself and how you're able to both express anxiety for her and how the world's going to react and also how you can be best supportive. Yeah, I mean, my initial, my big fear immediately was just safety. Yeah, you know? I mean, the world today. Because <laughs> while we were in Budapest, well, you know, we're, you know, connected still to friends in the U.S., and I'm seeing all these things about the bull, bull crap about the transgender issues with bathrooms and just all that, and, you know, I'm reading statistics, and, you know, out of one trans woman is killed every 29 minutes. That's very scary as a parent. (laughs) Just scary in general, but yeah, especially when it could be your daughter. Yeah. That's terrifying. So that was my initial. And then, of course, we're living in Budapest, which Hungary's not known for having moved very far Uh in its progressive attitudes. Uh, I initially felt, you know, Budapest, it's an international city. It's a younger city. So I felt like we should be okay here. Um, But then there was definitely questions about where other countries we go, though. Right. You know, before what I checked on was, you know, how much does it cost of living? And that was my, <laughs> my issue before we went anywhere. And now I've got this whole other thing. And then, and then, you know, as she transitions, how does that affect with a passport that has a masculine sure. name and picture and says male gender, how does that do we have to have special precautions when we're traveling, crossing the border? And then we had just begun our residency visa request for Hungary. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, thinking of that, I'm just like... Way to complicate things, hey. Yeah, so <laughs> like kidding. when we went yep. into immigration, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I really hate to have to ask you to do this, but I do need you to match your application. Mm-hmm. So I need you to be a boy for now and answer as you know for him pronouns Uh, even though I really want to honor who you are and everything 
this for this process. Well, yeah. just with the application, I yeah. mean, I can't be calling her her, and the application says M, which has to match all the other documents. So, mm -hmm. so that was a different side to this as well of just like how does this all work? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that, and I remember being okay. I understood. Yeah. <laughs> so you weren't terribly upset by nah. just understanding what all that was going on. Yeah. And same thing when, you know, when we had a travel coming up where we were leaving Hungary, just knowing that when we go through border control, all the documentation says male. So mm -hmm. being aware that if I use male pronouns, I'm not casting her aside. I'm having to honor the documents. Right. Because right. that's what you have to do to be able to cross the border. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how much longer were you in Europe than after all of this started? Quite a while. We, um... You know, we spent some time trying to figure out what we were going to do. Um, you know, I wanted her to get her in to see a therapist just so that we could get that part of the ball rolling. Because I know for um, transitioning, they you have to have, generally, you have to have seen the therapist and they've had <sighs> to sign off. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's... And, and just so people listening understand what you mean by transitioning. Do you mean like so hormone to begin therapy? Hormones, okay. Yeah. Um, so... To do all that, which she had expressed an interest in doing hormones, mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in Budapest, it's a little bit more of a challenge <laughs> finding not only an English-speaking therapist, that one's a little bit easier, but also a therapist who's experienced working with trans people, mm -hmm. bigger challenge because that, even though it is recognized in Hungary, they approach it very differently. Okay. Uh, and so trying to figure where do we go from here, you know, we looked at moving to uh, Berlin because they have a huge LGBTQ community and lots of health support. They've been dealing with this for, you know, the Danish girl was in Germany, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, they've been dealing with this. They have a lot of background um, and would have a lot of English-speaking providers. So we looked at that um, and we looked at the Netherlands because they're you know that's pretty much all the most of the trans treatment protocols are from studies that were done in the netherlands so right, right. we looked at that as well uh, especially once we went to the netherlands um, and i saw their response to her which was pretty much like nothing was different here mm -hmm. uh, other other places were pretty good and you know we might get some looks but in the like, netherlands that's to be expected with me <laughs> yeah. but in the netherlands it was completely neutral i mean not even a strange look or anything just totally went with the flow mm -hmm. and i was like yeah this would be good you know especially for her to be able to finish growing up you know 14 yeah um in yeah. an environment that's supportive but also has tremendous amounts of resources sure so we looked at that and uh, ultimately though in order to get her name change done and then get the passport changed we realized we really would need to come back to the U.S. Mm. Um, because yeah. I wasn't so sure with the passport change how the U.S. government would respond to a name change done in another country. Plus, that country only has authority if you have residency status. So, uh, and looking into it, her insurance would cover the therapy, hormones, all of that mm -hmm. in the U.S., um, and so ultimately, we did decide that we would return to the U.S. And uh, but we did spend more time in Europe, kind of preparing for that. 
But I want to come back to what you just said, which was not to be, to be expected with me. What do you mean by that? I don't exactly look like a girl, and if you're not used to that, you're gonna look at it. It's just kind of like a seeing something out of seeing something new. It's, I understand it. I look like a guy in a dress. Well, and on top of that, you know, I she has the nickname online of Tigger, mm-hmm. and that's because for most of her life, until late teens, she didn't walk. She bounced. <laughs> and so going down the street with this kid who's skipping, hopping, running, jumping with arms flailing always meant a lot of stares. Um, and Even then in, in, <laughs> in many countries, back then she had blonde hair when she was younger. And in many countries, a blonde kid, uh, instant attraction, attention. Sure. So she had that plus the, be- the bouncing around. And so she's you know also used to being looked at weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's got to be challenging when you feel like on the inside that's not who you are yeah so hopefully with the hormone therapy and whatever else you decide to do if you do then that will be a little less of an issue yeah hopefully well and it it was nerve-wracking in budapest even even though i knew that you know i felt like things would be okay Mm -hmm. her going out in a dress looking very much like a boy wearing a dress Mm -hmm. i you know my exposure is in pretty much in the U.S., and that is not something that is generally accepted well. Yeah. Uh, so I was very, very nervous going out just with, you know, potential violence. So I was on high alert anytime we left the apartment. <laughs> and then uh, the, especially the, the first time we went to um, a bathroom, and in many places in the world, you have to pay to use the bathroom. Right. And I forgot so, about that. <laughs> yeah, so we went, and she went up to the women's bathroom, and there was a kind of an older lady who was accepting the money, and I just thought, oh, this could be bad. And she went up, and uh, she asked, she took her money, asked her if she needed paper, and she said no, and just there was just nothing. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> That's a big relief. <laughs> I was. I was really panicking a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, I realized I probably should have used the men's room. <laughs> no, that was good. You probably would have had more problems wearing a dress going into a men's room. So, yeah. but it was it was still I just I wasn't sure where this was gonna go. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted her to feel comfortable, and protect her. And inside the room, the restroom, of course, I'm outside. So. Yeah, yeah. But I wasn't as worried, you know, especially because women tend to be more accepting and less violent towards these kinds of things. So, I but thought, isn't that you know, funny though that the whole debate about stupid, ridiculous debate about the transgender bathroom issue, right? Mm-hmm. Is, oh no, what if they're going to do something bad in the bathroom? When here, you're worried about, and probably more people are worried about them being attacked in the bathroom yeah. than them doing something to attack someone else in the bathroom. It's so stupid. Yeah, it was just... Like, just go to the bathroom, for crying out loud. It was just, it was just stupid hysteria. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's real interesting, too, because, you know, here we are in Europe and, you know, very different attitudes towards a lot of things. But when it comes to the bathroom, there's a lot more acceptance. I mean, we have lots of co-ed bathrooms where it's just a bunch of stalls right. with doors. Yeah, Ellen so, McBeal style. <laughs> yeah, so you, you go, you stand in line, and whoever's up next is the person who goes to the bathroom. I and mean, how much better would that be for sporting events? You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. Just have all stalls. It's a lot easier, you know, and then if you yeah. do have, like, if you're a parent with a child, right. it's a lot less stressful. You don't, you know, what does a guy do that has a small girl? 
and maybe he doesn't want her to see all his penises standing at the urinal. I mean, whatever. Right. You know, there's there's Plenty boys on both sides, and here you don't have to worry about it. You just go use the stall. Yeah, exactly. You know, the door shuts, and unlike here, you can't just glance through the little holes. They're actually, <laughs> doors go to the floor, and they're covered, you know? They're right. closed all the way and everything. So it just... It was interesting seeing the transgender bathroom issues occurring in the U.S. Mm -hmm. You know, meanwhile, I'm in the urinal and there's a woman mopping behind me. Right. You know, <laughs> not in the urinal, right. standing at the urinal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas here, you know, if the woman's cleaning the men's room, the whole bathroom shut down. So it's a very different approach. Right. Right. Yeah, it's kind of dumb. But <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was, and I didn't have this written down, but I, because it's, you know, drag queens are not related necessarily to the transgender issue, but yeah. it was occurring to me as you were saying a boy in a dress and how that's can be perceived so differently. And yet we glorify and put on pedestals, these drag queens yeah. and RuPaul's drag race and everything's fine with that. But all of a sudden when it's just a normal person with a dress, then freak out. Who wants to just go pee. Right. I mean, really. I mean... <laughs> You know, drag queen walks down the street and, you know, everybody runs up and wants to say hi and, like, that's cool. But somehow it's just a normal person with normal clothing and I don't get it. I don't get it. Maybe because it's, like, a career choice or something. I don't know. But a career choice? Yeah. Maybe. I, I don't know. It's just, we're just weird. We just pick weird things to be upset about. Yeah. People will find something to bitch and moan over. That's <laughs> true. I think it's different with drag queens, too, because they're living that in the moment. They're dressing up. Yeah, they're I can see that. They're putting on costume and entertaining, and so it's a different attitude mm -hmm. than someone who's actually, quote-unquote, trying to be a different gender. Um, and that's yeah. a lot of the concerns and comments and uh, stuff that I see online and here is that idea that, you're trying to be a mm. different gender than what you were born, and that's what people have a problem with. Yeah. Who cares? I don't it understand. doesn't affect you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even before uh, she announced, I was, you know, I never understood why this was such a big deal. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it was, it was really funny because uh, one of my Facebook memories, it was, I don't remember, it was several months before she announced, and it, I have put on there that, you know, what do people have a problem with when someone asks you to call them a different pronoun? If you want me to call you purple, how does that affect me? <laughs> I call you purple. I mean, why is that? It, it doesn't mean, cost any extra work. It's not It's not a big deal. It doesn't challenge my safety. I mean, what's the issue here? Yeah. And, and it was kind of interesting because then several months later, um, Haley announced that she was trans. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, well, there you go. Um, yeah, the only time I'm really not going to do it if you're being like one of those jackasses that say, uh, you know, like the with the protest and like, you know, well, if you don't call me this, you're a bigot and blah blah blah, and I'm going to do a smear campaign on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I I had this a little bit later in my notes, but since you um, brought it up, I will come back to that. But yeah, I, I was going to say, you know, the honesty corner for me is that I, with my entire being and heart and soul, believe that there's nothing wrong and everything's fine. But because I have been, you know, surrounded in this culture with this implicit bias, it's hard for me, for my brain wants to classify. And as soon as I do that's it, I'm like, that's like stupid. 
Why do I do that? That's more of a human thing than I'd say a societal thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you're right. We do, you know, always want to classify things in it's, all kinds of ways. It's just easier to do. <laughs> I, I think it is more of a, of a cultural thing because there are cultures that even in their language don't have masculine, feminine right. words. It's right. gender neutral a lot in their language. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, language has been around for a long time. Yeah. So it, it, a lot of it is cultural. But yeah, I mean, it was it was interesting, you know, just seeing me like when you know she announced and that she was trans and wanted to start dressing more like a woman dresses, a girl dresses and everything, you know. In my mind, well, we've got to do makeup and she's going to have to learn to shave her legs. And that was like my first thought. And I was like, wait a minute here. Who says, you know? But it was kind of interesting even me just going through in my head of, well, if you're going to do the part, then we've got to do this. And I'm like, right. no, you don't need to do that. Right, right. Yeah, and I, and I think, I mean, it's just, so easy to just ask someone how they want to be identified if you're not sure. Yeah. Um, just like I wouldn't walk up to someone, some woman with a belly and say, oh, when do you do? <laughs> That's yeah. pretty presumptuous. Um, and and I see it a lot with race because <laughs> I'm mixed race, but mm -hmm. I look white. Mm -hmm. And I, all the time, like, you know, the DMV, doctor's office, I'll go up and they just automatically fill in race. I'm like, excuse me, right. I'm not white. <laughs> And, you know, so even, even those kind of little things, we just have all these little where people just go ahead and start making assumptions. Yeah. You know, I work in spiritual care and health care, and a lot of times people just assume my religion because right. I'm a spiritual care person, and no, <laughs> I don't meet that. Sorry. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we see a lot of this of just automatic labeling and decision making. Mm -hmm. and, and, yeah, we... Do you need something? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, we automatically want to do that no matter what it is. But it just, it's more upsetting to me that I can't seem to get over that override that wants to do it, you uh, know. Wants to, like, uh, say, oh, looks female, so is female? Not that I want to place you in that, but it's like, <sighs> this sounds terrible even now as I'm thinking about it. Nah. When I m meet someone that I don't know or I see someone on TV that I don't know, I want to automatically say what, what is that person which is terrible language and that's not what like, I mean but what's wrong with that I don't it sounds so judgmental and terrible like I want them to be a certain way <laughs> oh I mean you don't have to be you're just going off of what you see uh, but it's just upsetting why does it matter well, who cares I mean, it doesn't but still why does it matter that you think oh well they look like a girl so they must be a girl without really knowing anything more about them I, mean, I think it's more like when I'm seeing people that are in that either in-between or transitioning phase or, um, what was the term you used? Gender neutral, yeah. asexual type situation. Then I want to, I, I think my brain is trying to say which way is it so that I can identify properly, not which way is it because I'm judging about it. But it's still upsetting to me that I can't get over it. You know, there's someone else that we work with that I have this problem in my brain as well. And I just keep trying to not do that. And it just keeps doing it. And I'm like, damn it, you know, stop. You, you don't feel this way. You don't think this way. Why are you doing that? I just think that uh, some people just do it. Their brain just does it. <laughs> because just how some people's thought processes work. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I appreciate that you are not upset about it because that makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> I'm actually probably a lot more laid back than most people. Than most people who are trans. Probably. Oh no, you're going to represent everyone from now on. <laughs> uh, they would not want me to represent them. <laughs> my political views, opinions. Well, I mean, that's, that's the same with, you know, everything about this podcast is like not one thing represents everybody. Everybody yeah. is individual, everybody's different, has their own perspective and experiences and everything else, so that's what I want to hear about. So now that we've let him talk so much, <laughs> how ha- has it been, you know, I'm listening to him talk about his anxieties, how is that for you? There is a little bit of anxiety with my anxiety, but that's just more of something that I always have to deal with. <laughs> Does it make you more nervous to hear that he's anxious? Kind of. <laughs> yeah, plus that, I mean, I, well, I mean, I understand why he's nervous since when I was a kid, I, since I was neglected, I had this thing where my world will shrink and I just kind of go into my own little place. And I can understand that since I'm not going to most likely notice someone who's walking towards me at a really, at a kind of shifty pace and being a little shifty. <laughs> but yeah, I've been... I've been working on getting myself to be pulled out of that. <laughs> so if I hear, and by the way, it's not Talon who was neglectful. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I adopted her when she was an older child. <laughs> yeah, that I was probably, pre-me. <laughs> I probably should specify that. No, 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 you're fine. <laughs> the best time was we were we were at a dinner in in another country, and just out oh. of nowhere, she made the comment, "Yeah, my, you know, my dad was really into drugs and alcohol." And, <laughs> serve some jail time and it got really quiet and at first I didn't it just didn't click with me because I know the story of the bio parent and I'm like oh no not me that was the bio dad I'm like oh thank god okay. <laughs> you did serve as a prison guard once though did you I worked in juvenile hall okay yeah that's yeah, pretty funny <laughs> yeah. but if I besides that if I heard you correctly it feels like because of your past experiences you're a little less situationally aware and so you don't have that as much anxiety about the world, maybe, as he does. Yeah. What would make me worry is that you would feel somehow like you couldn't be yourself because of his anxiety, is more of what I was asking. Yeah. But I'm glad that you've been brave enough to be like, no, this is who I am, and he's supportive, so it's cool. Yeah. I know that I'm going to have to, it's just more like that I'm going to have to force force myself to get out of that bubble and start being more situational aware and stuff mm-hmm. since that's just life yeah <laughs> sadly well and even not not just for trans people but yeah, you know, as a woman i have to do that as you know anybody anywhere depending on where you are yeah. it's you know like you're i'm not gonna go into the whole details but you guys just had a pretty scary situation yeah. that you had to be situational aware for so yeah, yeah uh, when we almost got columbined yeah that's <laughs> what I felt. terrible but irrelevant to the story, so we'll move on. <laughs> uh, so how has your experience been different for you as far as going to school? I'm homeschooled. Okay. Yeah, let's just leave it A little easier. There. <laughs> Did you go to school in Europe too or no? No. I was pretty much uh, homeschooled around the world. Okay, okay. But, I Good mean, thing Dad's smart. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how, how about the future? What what are you 
fearing? What are you hoping? What are you thinking about for the future? What am I thinking about for the future? What do you want for yourself? Mm. Let's start with that. I would like to be, like, financially secure and be able to, you know, feel comfortable about tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Plus that I, you know, I'm not exactly sure where I'm going to go and all that stuff since I know I have an idea where I'd like to go, but, you know, just some things change. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I really don't have this whole life thing figured out. <laughs> I don't think most people do. Join the rest of the world, <laughs> yep. Yeah. So you mean to tell me that trans people have normal feelings about the future like everyone else? Yeah, but it's more of a, it's more with my anxiety and according to my therapist with my past since it was a little shaky at the start and I'm reflecting that to the future. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. So you're just happy, hoping to have a happy, stable, normal life. Yep. <laughs> Do you want to talk, though, about some of the things that I know that, you know, worries that you've had about being an adult and trying to have an independent life as a trans woman? I mean, I guess I've always been kind of, well, that's not really about me being a trans woman. That's just more about me being me, <laughs> since I'm uh, going to be honest here and not really, I don't think I'm really the adult type, <laughs> not exactly mature and uh, yeah, with my with just me being who I am and with how quickly I succumb to anxiety and stuff like that. It's just more I've been kinda of nervous about like, oh, can I hold down a job, blah blah blah. Since I know nowadays most people are pretty accepting, especially where I am. <laughs> and yeah, I just feel like the sad that sometimes it feels like I'm kind of a mess <laughs> up here in my head. And mm -hmm. it's like uh something that I'm, I'm supposed to get sorted out, but uh, I really can't <laughs> and don't think I'll ever will. Do you mean more with your anxiety yeah. rather than just your expression? Yeah. Yeah. Are you okay with me sharing some, some of the things that you brought up that you were kind of nervous about as you were facing your 18th birthday? Yeah. She can always edit them out if you choose not to. Very yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's okay. You could go ahead. So I know that, you know, in contemplating her future as an adult... Um, you know, she was concerned because she'd been applying for jobs and not hearing back and starting to get close to that 18 mark and that's scary. And, uh, you know, one of, one of the things that she said that she was concerned about was so many trans people, especially trans women, uh, are only able to make a living, you know, by doing sex work. And that oh, was a, cute. that was a big fear for her. You know, one of the things that we talked about is... Generally speaking, those are trans women who do not have the support of their family mm -hmm. in many ways, emotionally, yeah. you know, all <laughs> kinds of ways. I'm like, that's not something you have to be concerned about. I'm not kicking you out just because you're 18, uh, you know, but, but that was one of the, concern. Yeah. yeah, and that's, you know, when you, you know, when she's reading online about stuff that trans women deal with, that is, that's a huge factor mm -hmm. that, you know, it's, it can be hard to get housing. It can be hard to get a job. What do you do with that? And then a lot of these poor people have also lost family support. Mm -hmm. So they have literally no one to turn to. Yeah. 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 I think that's a valid concern. I think that would be yeah. valid for a lot of different types of groups of people, but in particular, people transitioning. Yeah. And that was one of the things that made my uh, suicidal ideation 
seriously start to poke its head out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you've not only got wonderful support from your family, but also yeah. that therapist involved so that you can continue to get long-term support and work through those things, you know? Yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some people get a little nervous when they hear suicide or suicidal ideation. I think if most people are being honest, most people have at least had a thought about some kind of self-harm. And so just to look at it as a, a thought or a feeling doesn't mean that you're going to act on it. It means you need to get support around it. So yeah. I think plus that's, that, that's great. Plus that most people don't actually really, even some people who aren't depressed, kind of just think about it just because it's something that people think about. It's yeah, kind of what the brain does. It's yeah. kind of funny, though, how all these organs are working to keep myself alive, and the brain goes, hey, jump off a cliff. <laughs> That's kind a of great a screw, point. <laughs> it's kind of a screw you to all the or- other body parts. of like, <laughs> I'm working my ass off to keep her alive, but here you are. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fabulous point. I love yeah. that. <laughs> all <laughs> right. Well, let's... Considering Charlie drinks water and all she eats... Eat his chips. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I have lots of other questions, but um, what is something that you'd want people listening to know? Is there anything that you feel like isn't out there in the world, or that you just want people to know about yourself and your own experience? Um, I I don't know if I should say this, but you can say it. We can edit it out if you don't want want it. Well, it's not so much. I'm fine saying it. I'm just more concerned about like what will happen with if certain people hear it. And yeah. <laughs> she can edit yeah, it. Totally up to you. I was just thinking. Uh, this is more towards the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. That needs to just calm the fuck down. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in what way? <laughs> just general the. It seems like I mean sure the in some situation the. Not everything, the run, not every corner is going to be a... <laughs> I know those may sound insulting and I understand it, but... Not every, not everything around the corner is going to jump scare you. I, this is more towards like the more radical, stereotypical types of... Yeah, of a, just... I don't know how to say this without sounding like kind of cunty. <laughs> if, if I may, and I might be wrong, but let me yeah. see if I get what you're feeling here, that you think that the uh, rainbow alphabet soup, as it were, to be all inclusive, maybe can calm down a little bit in their advocacy because they may be pushing away allies because they're so hardcore or so far left? Yes. Is it kind of that feeling? Yeah. Am I getting that? Okay. I think a lot of it, you know, it's just the the reactivity. Yeah. You know, you have a person who says something that probably wasn't the best way of saying something, and the community comes yeah. out and basically wants them, you know, crucified. I mean, it's mm-hmm. kind of the level of response yeah. has really gotten crazy. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, there was a time where instead our effort was, here's what you said wrong, let's educate. And sure. now, let, now that you've been educated, why don't you take your status as a celebrity or whatever mm-hmm. and share the education you've learned. You know, there used to be yeah. more of a focus of, Let's, let's help people learn. <laughs> yeah. Whereas now you say the slightest wrong thing and we're dead. Now we you're want bigot, your life destroyed. Now you're racist. Now you're yeah. terrible. Yeah. 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 So, 
Yeah, Although just, that's true in some instances. Most of the time it's probably just someone trying to get something out and they say it the wrong way and then they're crucified. Is that kind of where you're going? Yeah. yeah. I just like people to not crucify people over something that they said 30 years ago or something that they did as a teenager. Some senator did as a teenager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially if they've done or said things to support and, and learned and grow, you know, yeah. they're supportive now and they find out 30 years later they were ignorant, like, weren't we all 30 years ago? Yeah, we're, we're teenagers. In some way no or another. Perfect. I'm not, I'm not going to judge you as a 60-year-old and choices you made when you were 16. Yeah, uh, maybe when you were 55, I'm going to judge you. We're teenagers. Yeah. We're all fucking I mean, dumb. it's just ridiculous. <laughs> if you're still the same person at 60 that you were at 16, you have a lot of other problems. Yeah, Brett Kavanaugh. Talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was just my little dig. Yeah. All right, so um, I'm just going to quickly come back to you, Talon, just a little bit um, after hearing all of these things. What, do you, what advice would you have for parents of a teenager that's having these feelings and expressing these thoughts? And what, you know, if they're not quite as open or accepting as you are, how can they get there? How can Post-abortion. they. Post abortion, no. <laughs> how can they... I'm kidding, I'm kidding. How can they overcome <laughs> their fears? Where maybe can they find support or get educated about it so that that's not so scary? Well, the first thing I would say, too, is you know, it's not atypical for adolescents to experiment, try different things. I wouldn't, what I have seen a lot of parents do is that when their child is starting to show some gender questioning, all of a sudden, they're all over it. The rainbow, the you know, transgender flag is flying, and everyone's like, "Wait a minute!" They may just be trying nail polish on. Yeah. Right. That doesn't mean that they're identifying totally different gender. Yeah. There's lots of different kinds of expressions, individual expression, and searching out and and, and checking things. So you know, support your kid, but let them move along at their pace with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know. Just encourage them to try. If they want to wear nail polish, you know, say, well, there's this color and this color. Which would you like? I mean, you know, we don't have to decide that we need to go change your name now. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and I have seen some of those extremes mm-hmm. uh, quite frequently. And, yeah. Um, and, and also, you know, if you, like, probably going to get ripped for this one. But I know there was a case of where, uh, so there's lots of support groups on Facebook for parents of trans teens or trans kids or people who are you know kind of even just in that questioning stage and um those those can be good uh but you know there was there was one parent who they were looking at hormonal transition had run blood work and found that the child's was assigned male at birth their testosterone was in the basement and their estrogen was very high and they're not on hormones currently and the doctor was recommending that they try testosterone supplementation first just to ensure that some of these feelings that the child's expressing are not related to being low testosterone since they are assigned male at birth. And they kind of got ripped on and I'm like, absolutely do that because there are differences. See, if they still feel that their gender identity has remained intact when they're 
both of their levels are normal, mm -hmm. then absolutely move forward. But if you see a change, then you may want to pursue this further. And sure enough, they did the testosterone supplementation and the child is cisgender male. They moved away from the trans because when their testosterone level came to a normal level, mm -hmm. their whole processing, everything they were feeling felt very different. And they once again felt very comfortable in their gender identity and they felt like it matched what was going on with their body. So, you know, and, and those people kind of got hammered by mm -hmm. this supportive quote unquote community, which really pissed me off <laughs> because there are, it's like gender identity is not so simple. Yeah. And yes, there can be hormonal elements to that. There can be physical things that affect our gender identity. The Danish girl was one of them. If you do research about the woman that story was based on, uh, they later on discovered that she did have a genetic or a chromosomal abnormality and that they think they found actually um, desiccated ovaries huh. inside her body. She was signed male at birth. She's one of the people that has that extra chromosome and sometimes intersex people can have internal uh, genitalia or, or internal female anatomy in a male body outwardly and mm -hmm. vice versa. So it's not always so clear yeah. uh, as many things in life. But, <laughs> you know, so I, I would, you know, always just slow down, slow down, <laughs> take your time doing the process. Uh, I do encourage, you know, kids that want to try puberty blockers, you know, that's a good start um, because generally all that does is put puberty on hold. So that stops what's going on inside their body, which if you are trans, it could be very helpful to stop some of those changes mm -hmm. um, until yeah. <laughs> that gives the kid time to go to therapy, time to have more time to process all of this. And it gives them that luxury. And it's something that later on, if they go off of it, their body will pick up where it left off and complete puberty. Mm -hmm. And if they discover that, yeah, they are trans. Well, that's a very necessary thing because that your body's gonna respond better to the other hormone if this one is suppressed. So I do encourage, you know, parents to be open to that. I know that, you know, doing the hormone thing is kind of scary, um, you know, cause that's kind of like, once you start that and the body is making some changes, uh, that's not so reversible so easily. Mm -hmm. So I can understand, you know, being nervous. I was certainly nervous by the time we got to that point uh, you know, she had the therapy and had been living the life for at least a year, I think, before she actually was able to get in to see the, the specialty clinic. Mm -hmm. And um, so I felt like, yeah, this is really where she's at. But it still is yeah. nerve-wracking because you know that once these changes begin, they're not always easily reversed. So um, I think it's great, too, to go out and, you know, get your own therapy and support the, the parental support groups are awesome for that but definitely you know you need someone that you can talk to there's um a lot of grief that happens you know grief isn't just death it's any type of loss yeah and and it does feel like a loss in a way when your child that you have their whole life and for some kids they start out very young with the gender identity difference and others are later in life. I know some who's had kids in their 30s that announced, you know, and I've met someone who announced at age 60 something. So, you yeah. know, it is this person that you've known, that you've named and you've raised and have all this life and memories with 
all of a sudden it's this big change and and it can feel like a loss and um, I know initially I was very going through a whole mourning process where I felt like I lost my son mm-hmm. and I love my daughter and I still have my daughter here <laughs> but I had a son for all these years and that right. was a lot of what we did and everything was as father and son and just just all these changes and yeah. and it stirs up a lot and, and I thought I was maybe going a little cuckoo <laughs> uh, and so one of the ways I found the groups is because I was doing research on parents is this normal that I'm mourning this experience and feeling a little kind of crappy because well shouldn't I just be grateful that my child is you know the stuff that you do go through your head no I and, think that's absolutely excellent to bring up because yeah. You can have feelings of loss, and it doesn't mean that you love your child any less or that you're not supporting what they're doing. Yeah. It's yeah. not um, related. They're not causal. I mean, you yeah. know, that's true. You can be both. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's... Uh, <laughs> brother. So that, I mean, that was something that I heard a lot from these... When I got involved to these groups, um, I heard that from a lot of parents that, mm-hmm. yeah, they did the same thing, and, you know, that they... They mourn that loss, and while they still love their child and support them and everything, there is. It's a huge change, mm-hmm. and huge changes can really cause. So I, you know, I would tell parents, embrace what you're feeling. Let yourself feel that, because mm-hmm. that's normal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you're not going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> At least not over this. <laughs> Do you think your anxiety as she's gotten older and started the hormones has gotten better or worse or the same or... Just different. You could be honest. It's <laughs> it's less. Um, you know, she looks more like a, a girl now from the distance. So I feel safer for her when she's alone in public. Mm-hmm. You know, she's with me. I can take care of that. So I'm not worried. <laughs> but when she's alone, you know, there's still like the other day she went for a walk on her own. And I knew where she was going. And I was like, she should have been back by now. And I was starting to get really nervous. And I didn't call her because I didn't want to give in to that. And I wanted to just send out the positive energy. <laughs> but I'm thinking, you know, I was starting to process that I hear sirens earlier. And, you know, there's still that natural parental wanting to protect my child. And knowing that while we've come very far, thankfully, um, we still have a long ways to go. Mm-hmm. And in our area, it seems to be... We have, haven't had any issues, and in talking to other trans people who have lived in our area a lot longer than us, they've had mostly positive experiences. So that helps me. But yeah, there's still kind of that, that element. And, um, you know, as, as a parent, when your kid's getting older and they're, you know, spreading their wings, there's always that little nervous element to watching them take their first flight and stuff and just kind of... <laughs> Wondering, you know, like when they're driving their first time with their own sure. license and you're not in the car, there's always, you know, those little, those little things. But that still exists <laughs> even more with this, just because, right. unfortunately, the way that social media and the news is, we highlight all, all the of these things, things and make things that when you look at, you know, actual statistics come out low. But unfortunately, with transgender people receiving violence, it's not statistically low. Mm-hmm. So that's even more scary for me because on other stuff I can go, yeah, but you know, that's the 0.8%. Well, no, it's not in this case. So mm-hmm. it's not as intense as it was. Um, plus she's bigger now. You know, she was, she's had a few years of growth and things like that. Mm-hmm. But there's still 
some anxiety when she's out there by herself. Yeah, I probably should get like pepper spray or something. <laughs> I mean, not a bad idea as a woman. <laughs> Since I'm not going to be able to stab someone. <laughs> well, you know, it's tragic that it's even necessary to say, but you don't look like a woman of color, so that at least improves your statistics of not being murdered, yeah. which is just terrible to even have to bring up. But Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, yeah. But someday you'll be moving out. And, you know, old Papa Bear over here. Oh, dear God. Gonna have to not get a nanny cam and be watching you all the time. Because <laughs> of his anxiety. Yeah. yeah. You said future cat dad? What? You future said... cat dad? Oh. <laughs> We've moved pretty far in our society at a very rapid pace for LGBT plus rights and acceptance. I mean lightning speed compared to how other things have changed. Do you think that we're moving in the right direction with trans acceptance in that same way? Because I know even though it's in the name, <laughs> even that community can be anti, you know? And uh, yeah, I've, there I've can be some backlash to that. I've seen a lot of discrimination. I'm part of the LGBT community myself. Um, and I have seen that discrimination towards trans people from within the community. Mm-hmm. I've seen racism. I've seen sexism. I've seen ageism. Mm-hmm. Just like any other group, they're all subject to it that. Just, it just blows my mind, though, because <laughs> it's like, you know, I know what I grew up with, mm-hmm. and I grew up in a time when there was not LGBT acceptance. Right. And a lot Which of... Which wasn't that long ago. That's no. That's crazy. And a lot of violence, and we had zero rights. And, um, you know, so I've, I've seen that, and so to me it's mind-boggling to understand how a community of persecuted people can persecute so easily mm-hmm. others and mm-hmm. I just it still confuses me you know and I'm I'm also an ethnic Jew and, and I've seen that from within the Jewish community mm-hmm. and I'm like look at our history people we should be the last to be persecuting others based on stupid shit you know right, right. so it's something that yeah I don't know and we have definitely moved forward um, we have a lot of room to go. I see, especially the medical community um, seems to have come quite a ways as well, which is very nice. But I still see there's some challenges there. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, yeah, there's there's still definitely a lot more education and growth. Yeah, uh, I listened to another podcast called The Read. It's amazing. Um, but they are two um, black members of the LGBT community. And they have also talked about how in the black community there's been a lot of prejudice against um, LGBT. Yeah. And say, they're making the same points. Like, how can you be this oppressed and still be the oppressor of, you know, people experiencing the same things? You're doing it again. But There's a, a great, I think, it was, uh, I think it was 60 Minutes, maybe, around the 60s. They did this, a teacher shortly after Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. She's in this small, all-white town in, I think, Indiana or something. It's very small. They're all Christian. They're all white. All the same, pretty much same social class, everything. They don't know, they don't know what difference is. And uh, so she was trying to figure out how to get her kids to do this. And so the only thing that she could pull on was that she had kids with brown eyes and kids with blue eyes. I loved that That is freaking amazing experiment and I really wish it was still used more and really publicized Mm -hmm. 
Um, and, and that was something that showed up in there too. The kids who on the first day had been persecuted so badly because of their eye color, the next day that, or later on the teacher comes and goes, oh, I made a mistake. And they're actually, the one-eyed people are more dumb than the other one. And so they reversed it. Mm -hmm. And the group that had suffered all that persecution heaped it on oh, yeah. the others oh, yeah. much more strongly. And that was just amazing to me to see it, that there's something in that you would just to me, logically, if you've received persecution, you've been persecuted, and I've gone through that, and I am really against persecution, um, so it just boggles my mind. I still mm -hmm. don't totally understand how people can be okay with that. Well, that particular experiment, as I remember, those kids were pretty young. I feel like they yeah. were lower, younger elementary school kids. And yeah, I think they were like third grade or something like that. Yeah, and they talked to them. Did you see the interview where they talked yeah. to them when they were like 30 or something? And one of them became a civil rights attorney. It made yeah. such an impact. <laughs> think of how different our world would be yeah. if in the third grade or second grade or a grade where they're able to grasp discrimination with eye color and be able to relate that to the rest of the world, how very different we'd be. Yeah. Yeah, I find it sad how quickly people seem to be out for the wheel now. They seem to be out for, like, oh, you did this to us, so we're going to do this to you, even though that doesn't make you better. That doesn't make it right. But yeah, I find it sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's all about vengeance instead of, like we were saying earlier, compassionate education. Yeah, yeah. You know, because maybe people are ignorant because they lived in a bubble their whole life and never heard or experienced anything different, you know? Yeah, yeah that's, Not a, their I mean, fault. that's a big thing of it. You know, I was... I had uh, been online friends with a woman who was conservative Christian person, had grown up fairly socially comfortably, you know, <laughs> uh, socioeconomic status and everything. And she had issues with same-sex marriage and with the ideas of us being parents. And um, Dumb. And so <laughs> it was gonna, interesting. I'm just going to be judgy about that. That's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> And, and later on, she connected with me and she said that, you know, getting to know me and watching what my children have gone through, how I've supported them and the different things that I talk about and things like that, but having a face changed her attitude completely. Right. And, and I thought that is, that's a great example there of when you don't have exposure and you have ignorance and you, you don't. You don't understand what it's like to be in those shoes. Like, you know, I mean, I just remember a few years ago hearing all the crap that women go through. I, I didn't understand that that was still like, I'm like, are you sure this, that's like from the 50s? No, no, mm -hmm. it's happening today. And right. I blew my mind, but I'm a guy, so I don't know what it's like to have to deal with that. I don't, I don't get catcalled. I don't have people groping me, you know, all these different things that just blew my mind that in the 21st century, it's mm -hmm. still happening. It's still an issue. And I was yeah. just blown away by discovering that because I haven't seen it. I haven't experienced it. So I had no idea it was even a problem <laughs> until women were talking out. Well, and I had the same exact experience. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. I grew up with a mom who sheltered me from a lot of terrible things, um, taught me tolerance and acceptance, but I didn't, I wasn't exposed to it. And I joined the military and, you know, it was let's see, 2000 when I moved to Tennessee and realized they still burn crosses. And I was like, what? Wait, what? That can't be. This is 2000. Like, that's that's in the 50s, like you're saying. Like, 
or even the 60s like how is that still a thing and it wasn't that long ago people it was not that long ago in our history there are people still alive that survived the holocaust that you know were killed during the civil rights movement you know all of these things it's like it's it's just not that far in our history and sometimes it's easy to forget when you're not living in that world day to day or you don't have a you know direct relative that that happened to so you haven't heard those stories in your life and it's all of a sudden like oh shit that's real yeah. and that's still happening i like to look at it as as that we've changed that it's sure it still happens but we've changed a lot so fast i like to look at it more as that but yeah you're so hopeful i yep. love that <laughs> you've done such a good job <laughs> tell him to give me a face right now <laughs> But it's true. It's true. Well, you guys, this is, uh, I've taken up an hour of your time now. Can you believe it? It's an hour. Oh, wow. I know. Did you have more trans-related questions? I, well, I was just going to ask, you know, do you, first, um, do you have any advice for someone like me who really wants to be an ally but is always afraid of offense? Okay. Um. <laughs> no, no, speak your mind. I want to hear it. I want to hear I... it all. I'm gonna do the thing of go against, go against. This is not good advice if you want to stick within the community. But since I'm not really a part of the, I don't consider myself part of the LGBT community. I mean, I'm trans, but that's about it. I, and I'm one of those people who just says, I think that I get where the term ally comes from, but it makes me sound, but I think it sounds kind of stupid. <laughs> Okay. I get it, I understand it, but I still think, like, you make it sound like we're fighting some kind of war, you know, and most <laughs> of the time we're just telling people to fuck off across the internet, and most of the time I'm just going to say, just be, don't, I'm just going to say, if something, this goes to more like one side of saying, sure, then just be, be nice, and be, and if something sounds sounds a little risque maybe ask maybe just ask questions and to the sides uh don't get overly offended <laughs> and realize that not everything they say is a slight against god <laughs> or something like that my neighbor always reminds me when i say you know people should be nice to each other she said no people should just mind their own fucking business and leave it at that let people live their lives you know because yeah. it doesn't affect you like we're saying before so. yeah. I don't know if that came across well. That kind of that was kind of a little messy. <laughs> no, I think it's great. I think yeah. it's great. Just you Do know. Do you have advice for people who are, just, who are trying to be supportive yeah. and wanting, you know, other things that you've seen or experienced from people that don't understand maybe as much about trans, but are trying to be supportive of the things that would be helpful if people didn't say or did say or avoided doing. I would say, ask questions about it. That's the only way you're going to learn, is ask. And to be more open and realize that, yeah, along the way, they're going to probably step on some toes. It's just kind of more the natural process of learning and be understanding and realize that they're trying to help and they're trying to understand what's okay and what's not okay and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'd say be understanding. Like, I remember some people asking me about the darn tranny and stuff like that, and I said that, Someone called me a trainee once, and it was just in a joking way, but I said that you probably shouldn't cause, call other people that. I personally don't really care. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's helpful for people to know 
yeah. what, you know, they even if they're joking, it can be hurtful. Well, I mean, it's not hurtful to me, but I would just say be careful around using that word and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but yeah. And like you said, just ask if you're not sure. Yeah. Just be a normal, compassionate human being and treat other people like normal, compassionate human beings and yeah. that we're all trying to do our best here and... Unless they're being like kind of an asshole, then yeah. But that's more of a that's a whole different thing entirely. Yeah. <laughs> and I think for parents too, it's it's a good thing, and not even just with trans teens and um, stuff. Actually, is, is it okay if I interrupt you real quickly? Yeah. Uh, I would like to say this to trans parents because your kids tried. Just because your kid wore high heels once does not mean they're trans. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, that is. That's, yeah. Um, I would say you know. There's that tendency to want to jump in and protect your children and keep them from having to experience any pain or suffering. But part of our job is also helping them prepare to function as adults and to function on their own and things like that. And sometimes, you know, like we were in a grocery store, we'd just come back to the US. Uh, and so I was pretty nervous and we were in a small kind of conservative area and I'm just like, ugh. Oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> we went to a grocery store that's in a heavy military area, and I was very nervous. Um, and while I was paying the bill, she was bagging, and this guy came up really loud to her and said, Sir! Sir! And, I, and I'm trying to get this done. I'm ready to come over there, you know, to beat this guy up if I have to. And she goes, Actually, it's ma'am. And he goes, Oh, really? He goes, Yeah. And he's like, Way to go. And gave, him a thumb, gave her a thumbs up, and then walked <laughs> off. And I'm like... Okay, all right. So, you know, I it, there yeah. is that nervousness, and I, I'm trying to really hurry up so I can be closer to her in case I need to step in. Yeah. Um, but I'm also giving her the space that she needs to be able... And, and in that, that really helped my anxiety right there because I saw how she handled that whole situation mm-hmm. and, and how he responded by that. And he, he thought he was congratulating a boy wearing a skirt. And didn't realize everything else. <laughs> and I thought it was really cool that he wanted to give that guy props. Yeah. And But he was still giving her props for being who she is. Yeah. And so, you know, as a parent, and I think it applies much broader scope than just, you know, with trans people, give your kids some time. Give them some space to resolve their issue, to deal with it, and then talk about it. I mean, obviously, be, you have to be attentive and... If there's a need to step in, then yeah, step in. But yeah. I've seen a lot of times where parents have jumped in so quick, their kid has never had any experience in actually dealing with this crap. And so, you And they're know, not going to get resilient if right. they don't practice when I mean, falling that was, down. That was stuff even when she was little, um, you know, I was going to an activity and it was a religious situation. So I was wearing my, my Buddhist monk robes, which people are not used to seeing. Uh, <laughs> and... So, and it, it, you know, being in Zen, it's more kind of dressy, it looks a little bit. Yeah. And uh, she was going to school, and I had to take her in. And so we talked about, just beforehand, how are you, you know, what people might say, mm-hmm. how are you going to respond? So that we could already work out something that she felt she could be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, we came up with, um, or maybe this was Chris, another I, child that was caring for her, but we came up with, if they say, why is your dad wearing a dress? Just say, oh, did you want one too? We can get you one. Yeah. And that's <laughs> what they did. Chris. Okay. And that's what they decided they were going to do. And it totally de-stressed the situation. Yeah. And yeah. for all of us. So 
So, I mean, I think that's just wise, period. But especially if you have a child that has something that stands out mm-hmm. and grabs attention, they need to, this is their life. And part of supporting them being who they are is supporting them and being able to be who they are mm-hmm. and to deal with, unfortunately, the other things that may come with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes you have to be hurt in order to learn. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. you have to, I mean, well, not like this hurt but you know you know mm-hmm. what I mean yeah I mean all of us go through variety of pains as we're growing up and that's you know like you were saying about well what a parent's job is to help you through that and be supportive but not protect you from it because how are you ever going to be on your own if you always had someone protecting you and that's what's happened to some people hashtag not all millennials yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And now, More I guess like all it's not kidding. all Gen Z. I don't even know what's after that, because millennials I, are getting kind of old. It's Gen Z. Gen Z. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm what the, the kids would call an early Gen Z. Yeah. Yeah. Since I'm not like quite the Jake Paul musically, not TikTok kind of kids, but I'm not also like 90s. <laughs> or late 90s kid either. I'm yeah. kind of like in the middle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I mean, you have to have those experiences. You're, you're not ever going to be able to stand up for yourself or, you know, be okay on your own if you haven't been given the chance to be on your own while you still have support. Yeah. So, yeah. Would you agree with that? How do you feel? Are you nervous about eventually being on your own or do you think yeah. you've had enough experiences? I'm, I'm nervous being on my own. <laughs> but that's just more of me. I'm just kind of nervous about I'm... This is kind of going to be a 180. <laughs> I don't know what you call it. Yeah, it's a pretty big 180. Yeah. Well, I think some anxiety is normal for oh, any yeah. teen going out on their own, but do you feel like you, you've got a good support base here that you'll yeah. be able to kind of stretch your wings and jump out of the nest once in a while? Yeah. I mean, just going on walks by yourself is probably a big step. That's what, you know, once you started doing that in your new apparel I, th- I think for the the new yeah because you know when we were traveling like you know when she was 10 we lived on a small island in Honduras oh, mm-hmm. and because it because of the size of the island and the culture there is you can do pretty much what you want as long as you are not hurting anyone else and if you mess with a child you're probably going to get killed so <laughs> So I didn't really have to worry about. I mean, I feel like that's a good philosophy. Yeah, it's it's a very strong community. Everyone watches, it's especially super for the kids. Super libertarian, and yeah, they they really watch out for kids, especially. And so mm-hmm. she had the run of the island, and I just never had to be worried about her. She had so much more independence mm-hmm. as a ten year old in Honduras than really pretty much anywhere else, um, and so so she was used to that, being on her own, walking for you know, mm. places. I mean. She was actually the most popular out of the family <laughs> on the island. I was that person's dad. They, most people didn't even know my name. Oh, you're so-and-so's dad. So, uh, but anywhere on the island, that's just, you know, so she's had that experience of having extreme independence. Right. But very different from this. And this does bring on some extra challenges, potentially. Sure. Uh, and some things that, you know, could happen. Yeah. And and it's hard. It's hard to not, you know, you want to, you want your child to be aware of things to watch for, but at the same time, I don't want to 
give her this 5,000 long item list of things that you need to watch for when you're out walking. <laughs> so instead, I just try to keep down to the real tight minimum, like look before you cross the street kind of thing, you know. Yeah. I know what could happen to me. <laughs> I know. Well, especially now that you're older and on the internet, you see the same scary stuff I do, but yeah, it still doesn't matter. As a parent, you know, I would like to prepare you, even though you already know what's coming, could come, you yeah. know, and... And we've talked about how sometimes that thing that she has where she shrinks her world in when she's nervous or anxious kind of has pluses and minuses. You know, there's that point where you may miss stuff that could be important. Mm -hmm. But on the same time, when we were out and people were staring, she didn't see any of that. Right. You're so, not so hypervigilant <laughs> that you're even more anxious. Yeah. Like, I noticed it. every single look at every person, <laughs> and she didn't even know that anyone had looked. So. Yeah. Yeah, I... Yeah, I've been trying at getting myself out of that. <laughs> well, like I said, there's it's tough because there are some some pluses. Like there are times when we've been in places uh, back in the U.S. where I've seen people looking at her and laughing, mm. um, and yeah, was that's devastated for her. But thankfully, she didn't see them. Mm -hmm. So, hey, I'd probably do the same <laughs> if I saw myself doing that. I'd probably do. I'd probably just cover my eyes and hope that it all go away. <laughs> It was really funny. Shortly after she had announced, we were still in Budapest, and we were waiting at a light to cross the street, and she was wearing her dress, and this kid was just staring at her, just staring. And finally, he goes, are you wearing a costume? And she says, no, this, no. Is, this is my dress. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And, and it was really apologetic, which I thought, okay, you're obviously not American. <laughs> but the fact that, you know she could respond that way and that he could ask questions mm -hmm. and i felt like that Wait, that's just awesome that Wait. right there is an awesome experience i thought that was the time i was going out to going out to the trash do you remember that kid that asked me if i was wearing a costume oh maybe it was i don't remember. i just yeah. remember that situation and that it really stuck out to me that how she responded and how he responded mm -hmm. so yeah i remember some when i was taking out the trash a uh, little kid like maybe like six or seven at the minimum at the maximum he came up and asked am i wearing a costume i just said no and he's he apologized i said it's fine <laughs> and yeah <laughs> yeah that was it <laughs> yeah it creates that environment for people to you know neither one of you got defensive about it and so you were able to engage in the conversation yeah, yeah. it's nice but and you know kind of change the topic a little bit you know you had talked earlier on about with traveling mm -hmm. and and that was something that did greatly change how we traveled because there were places that there was no way I could take her mm -hmm. to them you know and Not I would, unless I wanted to die <laughs> yeah like you know Turkey was one of them where it was if you're trans don't get it. Yeah. because there's a very high murder rate of mm -hmm. trans people and tourist doesn't matter mm -hmm. um and but and we were looking like at croatia because we were near there and i wasn't sure and so you know i'm having to do a lot of contacting ahead of time getting in touch with lgbt organizations asking and you know so for croatia they're like pretty much should be okay you probably want to focus on these cities mm -hmm. um these cities i'd avoid it'll probably be okay but better to go out of these areas and you know, uh, one country that we had really loved was Romania, and so we had thought about returning there for a while, but I didn't know how that would go there. Um, 
I felt like it'd be all right because they tend to just look at you and not really respond physically, even <laughs> though there's not a lot of legal protections. Uh -huh. um, with them being part of the EU, that's changed some of that. And that was the LGBT organization said they really had not had instances of violence. Um, and in talking to some Romanians, they're like, no, the worst that you may get is someone may blame you mm. as a parent. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> so that, you know, so that was, that added a lot more anxiety to me for our travel process of trying to, you know, especially where this is new to her and she's young, mm -hmm. I really don't want to go somewhere and have her have this horrible experience. Um, so that was another factor that we had to look at when we were looking at other places too, was, mm -hmm. you know, what's the potential here? What do I really need to be careful? Is it still a safe place to go? Is it a place you need to avoid like Turkey? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was, uh, that was definitely an extra component to this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you had something more to say. I was just saying, just avoid the outback. I was going to say avoid the outback, but I mean the uh, redneck area. <laughs> just avoid trailer parks and you'll be fine. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Oy, oy, oy. <laughs> I kid, I kid. I, yeah, I probably shouldn't make these offensive jokes. I'm <laughs> um, just kind of like that. Well, yep. I know you're joking, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm for prejudiced equality. <laughs> <laughs> Do either of you have any final thoughts about anything that Dear we didn't God, cover? No. <laughs> <laughs> anything that you want me or anybody else to know that we didn't talk about? I just I encourage people to, you know, explore if you're not familiar with what, you know, being transgender is like, just to explore it and to really kind of see, um, you know, what it is that people go through and to just... I, I think it'd be it's helpful for us to kind of lighten up some of the grip we have on societal mores and what we expect and what's okay for a guy to do versus a girl. You know, we're seeing a lot of those changes now, uh -huh. and um, I'd like to see even more of that. Um, but I think you know, and we did talk about it earlier. But I def definitely would like to stress that you know, kind of what she joked about: if your little boy's putting on high heels, doesn't mean he's trans. And I would like definitely emphasize that. Well, you know, it, that you have kids. Kind of joke. <laughs> but I've seen stuff like that where, you know, a little boy wanted to dress up like mommy, which before all the attention on trans came out was just something that kids did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'd see pictures with, you know, the daughter holding a hammer because daddy was out pounding nails. And <laughs> this is normal. It well, doesn't mean like, that they're trans. Yeah. They just so, want to be. Like it's okay for boys to play with dolls. It's yeah. okay for girls to play with Hot Wheels. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. They're just playing. Yeah. Oh, and uh, one more thing. Yeah. I don't know if this was really the podcast to say this, but... This is the podcast to say anything. <laughs> well, I'm probably going to get a ton of shit for this. But uh, if you try to look for my Twitter, be warning, uh, you will see some shit. <laughs> Well, if you want people to find you on Twitter, what? Uh, no, 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 okay. no, no, no. Trust me. I'm going to say that to avoid any medical bills for trauma. <laughs> so if anyone would like to send me, I do like booze and whiskey. No. <laughs> so now you know why. No, send it all to me first. <laughs> yeah, uh, but seriously, I'd like to say this, that uh, speaking of like, oh, boys should, like the boys should be allowed to play with dolls, be allowed to cry, but 
I noticed this thing when uh, boys express their emotions, even by feminists. I immediately noticed that uh, they're called man baby, shut down. And okay. even with the uh, male birth control study, the whole mocking them because they got a little moody and pimples, even though one of them may have committed suicide because of it. <laughs> and I see that and it just kind of infuriates, infuriates me because I see that and think, you turn around and say, oh yeah, we're here for boys, but the moment they turn around and say, hey, I kind of disagree with this, you're suddenly, you're suddenly against them. It's like, mm -hmm. it makes you kind of, in my opinion, kind of scummy. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. Men and boys have just as much a right <laughs> to experience feelings, and that's probably why we have this quote-unquote toxic masculinity problem, is because they were repressed as children and told. You can't cry. Don't cry. You're, that you know, be a really man. A thing, but yeah. No, it's ridiculous. You know, we're all people. We all have feelings. It's just. Uh, talking about the toxic masculinity thing. Oh. Yeah, I don't believe I exist. I believe it is. Most. They're not masculine. They're not going to do that. Most people think, yeah. You know, they're. I mean, yeah, I'm just going to shut them Being that. the only. There's a lot we don't agree man. with. My child and me, so. Yeah. <laughs> In the room. I, I greatly believe there is toxic masculinity, <laughs> and a lot of what we have done as a society and culture is what feeds that. Mm -hmm. You know, we see that with rape culture. We see a lot of those things mm -hmm. that, for so long, we didn't realize. I don't think people realized. You know, they were just doing what their parents said, and mm -hmm. um, and definitely we we definitely have problems, and there's a lot of a lot of room to grow on that, especially so. I was, um, I didn't add this in either because I just actually read it on Facebook this morning. There was an article that a friend of mine posted that was about um, transgenderism in the Native American population and how many tribes didn't even have words, like you were saying earlier, male and female didn't really exist. And in fact, they would call them two spirits and um, kind of revere them for being able to see things from both sides. And that it wasn't until the Europeans started coming over and among many other problems with yeah. that whole scenario, uh, <laughs> suppressing their their culture around that, that it was not even a thing and in fact was a, was considered like a blessing. Yeah, it's, it's been interesting. I've done different work with um, some tribes that, you know, have the two-spirited culture and it's not just trans, it's also, you know, what we would call queer or gay or lesbian or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But where they recognize that a person who has that is honoring both their masculine and feminine sides and feels that they're, in many ways, more spiritually developed. Yeah, and isn't so that funny? <laughs> in some cultures, if you're two-spirited, um, you are actually sought out after when there's big decisions to be made, they will su seek out your opinion because you're considered to be more spiritually evolved. So I've always thought that was really fascinating and, and I've had that come up in doing <laughs> some of the healthcare that I do um, where there was a two-spirited member of the family and you could definitely see that even above the elders, what when they said something, it was really listened to and it was really refreshing <laughs> to see that culture, yeah. you know. So yeah, it's, it is, it's very different. There's a lot of cultures where they don't, didn't have these, you know, really stern, no, no, you have a penis, so you have to do this. You have a vagina, you have to do this. Stay within the boundaries, you know. Yeah, that's kind of more of a medieval mindset since back then that was, was what happened, how people survived. But 
Yeah, our culture's come a long ways, but we definitely have a ways to go, I think. And technology comes a long way, too, so that way we don't need to fill those roles anymore. Not, well, not technology is both a blessing and a curse. Yes. <laughs> In so many ways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's one of the things I see a lot of people shred social media, and I'm like, you know, there are so many ways that social media drastically changed my life. You know, the fact that we did this almost six years of traveling um, was... A large part because of social media mm-hmm. that that exposed me to those possibilities and to be able to connect with all these people and just even that alone was really huge but you know when she announced being able to educate myself to be able to connect to other people who have who are further along than I was at that point I mean those were all huge and being able to do research and figure out what's going to be the best course of action what's the next step you know what are we looking at Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of possibilities for her and you know what are things that I want to be asking doctors and just all those things I mean there's there's a huge benefit definitely like anything in life there's (laughs) some things that it'd be nice to kind of change like you know some people at when you're out to dinner with them they can't put their phone down that's one factor I'd like to change but (laughs) there are definitely pluses and the only reason why I use my phone so often is because my computer is being repaired I was going to say, are you speaking to the teenager in the room? <laughs> no, actually. See, we've always had a rule in our home mm-hmm. that even when we were traveling, we still did. Like, dinner was always family time. Mm-hmm. So there was no electronic devices. We don't do phones, TV, whatever. Um, and so, and we still, to this day, do that. And I've never had that with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never really done that since I figured that was the time to talk. So, thankfully, I don't have a phone-addicted teen. <laughs> And when we've gone places, you know, she'll put down the computer and go out with me for a walk or a hike or a road trip or something. So that's good. Yeah, that's been good. I'm not too connected to it. <laughs> the other thing, too, is I also don't harp on her with her screen time. So mm-hmm. that, I think, also helps because I've seen children that are restricted heavily to screen time time. Then it's a little harder sometimes to get them away because, well, you're just now giving them that little, you know. Right. I like to think that it'd be better for parents to teach them self-control. I I was certainly raised with a little more freedom and restrict myself, so it can definitely work in the opposite. But every kid's different and needs different yeah. discipline, and yep, yep. you just gotta roll with it. <laughs> yeah, gotta roll with it. If I could just get her to eat more interesting food. <laughs> yeah, that's not happen anytime here soon. Sorry. <laughs> One battle at a time. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, quite the war you're going to wage. <laughs> well, I just really want to thank you both, especially you, Haley, for coming on and being so open and brave about your experiences and yeah. making things a little more accessible for people that maybe haven't been able to talk to someone that's trans. Maybe they don't even know that they're tra- you know transgender and and get those feelings and points of view and you're just a normal person it's not scary yeah you know it's nothing to be afraid of yeah so thank you both so much thank you yeah thanks uh, it was nice seeing it was nice meeting you and nice being to on meet your you. podcast too. thank you <laughs> goodbye and good night this is london and we're in the blitz or something mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know how he does the same i felt i wanted to do a saying but i don't remember it 100 percent. you did perfect okay. yeah all right boys and girls that was my interview with Talon and Haley. Again, I'm so very thankful for their time, for their openness, and sharing their experience with us. This is hopefully not the first time I get to talk to them. If any of you have questions for either one of them, I would love to pass them on, and maybe we can do a follow-up 
you know, in the months and years to come and see how everything's changed and how things are, are going. Um, maybe we can also take this time to just reflect on not everyone that's different from us is scary. If you have any comments or questions or anything like that, you can always email me at someDayDeadPC at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at someDayDeadPC, and we do have a Facebook page. Still working on that website. Um, hopefully getting that up and running next week sometime. A little bit better at a different podcasting site. So take care of each other. Try to new get new experiences in there and learn about the different people in our world so that we don't have to spend our life in fear. Because what's the point of that? Someday we'll all be dead. <laughs>